You're listening to The Undip Podcast with hosts Shakira Shanae and Mary L. A podcast for women by women who are unapologetic, real and unzipped. Join them for open and honest conversations every week. Get ready to get unzipped. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to The Undip Podcast. We are your hosts, Shakira Shanae and Mary L. I like this mic. Me too. Sounds really good. We got a new mic, guys. I really like it. Um, okay, so in today's episode, we have Claudine Miles, who is the founder of Restore More. Um, but before we get into her interview, let's just talk about the week. So we can't talk about the week without talking about the debate. So last night, obviously we record this a week in advance. We, everyone witnessed how many, like 41 million people yeah. watched the debate with Kamala Harris and Vice President Pence. I don't even like to say VP, but he is the VP. Crazy. Oh. So let's just talk about the fly on the wall first. <laughs> should we, okay, should we just talk about last night's debate or should we start with the first debate with Biden and Trump? Well, that was such a fiasco. I mean... Someone literally said, I don't know if you sent this to me or if this was a meme that I saw that said it looks, it was worse than a love and hip hop reunion. (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree. Totally agree. Yes, that was just like... It's embarrassing. It really is. It was like, you know, shit show is the only way that I can describe it, but, you know, that was crazy. But that, honestly, it was expected. Like, trying acts like a three-year-old and Biden sometimes acts like he's just not with it. I'm sorry. So it was, the shit show was expected. What I think I was on my toes for was, or sitting at the edge of my seat was the whole uh, debate between Kamala and Pence. Oh, I was so excited. I was so excited and she delivered on all levels for me. Okay. Delivered. Like, Like, (laughs) and two, I think it's just, it, it was... Gosh, it was just so many levels of empowerment. It was so empowering because, one, she's a woman. Um, and she's an educated woman. And to hear someone talk about our country in a way that makes me feel comfortable and makes me feel like, okay, we can move forward. Um, and who truly understands the past, present, and future of our country was just like, whew, okay, there's an adult in the room, finally. You know what I mean? And... Pence just was not ready. Girl, he was not ready for... He didn't look like he wanted to be there. You know, I I felt that too. I felt like he had a a sense of like he was kind of superior. And it was just like he, you know, kind of tried to, in his body language to me, was like, like you said, I don't want to be here. And I'm just like, that's just so disrespectful. And that just shows you what we deal with, you know, in America, not only being black, but being a woman. Like, you don't deserve to be here is the like kind of sense that I got from him. Yeah. And it was just so shitty. I mean, that's why the fly and we'll talk about that (laughs) next, like landed on his head. So tell me, like, how did you feel when the commentator, we'll talk about that too, because she was just, she upped her game, but she needs to up her game because she could not control what was going on. But how did you feel about the question he asked about Breonna Taylor and Floyd, um, George Floyd? You know, what? Of. what's so frustrating to me when um, those questions are being asked to both Trump and Pence is just the lack of, one, sincerity, and then, two, accountability, and just 
Empathy? Empathy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is a situation. This is what happened. The situation is blatantly wrong on all. I don't care. I don't care about the no knock. I don't care about none of that. I, this is wrong. I think he even said, I agree. You, I put my trust in the jury and the yeah. judge. Yeah, he did. Basically, um, the evidence. So, to me, that's how, of course, he put his little you know, violins, like, you know, rest in peace and, you know, to her family. But there was, not only was there no empathy, but there was no sense of accountability. At all. For uh, being in leadership to say, like you said, to your point, like, this was wrong. Like, take, let's, let's, you know, it's a bipartisan issue at this point. Like, take politics out of it. Being a human being, being a man that has children, if that was his daughter, and you know I got into some arguments online on Facebook cause, because people just say things out of their mouths. And I'm like, wait a minute. Think about it from a perspective from a parent. How would you feel if somebody comes in your child's house or if they're in the grocery store and they were, you know, standing in line to check out the grocery Someone comes up and shoot up the store and a police do it. Like, how would you feel? Like, it's so, so political and people, and I'm, I'm going to say it, a lot of white people are just so desensitized to what what is really going on it's always an excuse like well but there is no well and but i'm tired of hearing the wells i'm tired of hearing the Mm -hmm. buzz be accountable and if we're all human and if we all if we want to be in leadership take a take a stand like right it just it just pisses but you know what it's like the stand can't be taken because trump is making it be okay for white supremacists to feel the way that they feel it's because privilege yeah because whenever it's asked you know um whenever it's asked or brought up uh it's like it's like he he doesn't want to acknowledge that it exists and i don't know it (sighs) vote that's all i have to say all i have to say is vote all we have to say is Vote like your life depends on it because it does. One thing I love that Kamala did was, and she you know, ladies, slave. yeah. But as women, you know, we get we get the aggression. Oh, she's a bitch, oh, or yes. she's I saw so many you know comments. what I'm saying? Like she has the chip on her shoulder. Oh yeah, we get that oh. all the time. And so what I loved that she did, which was so, um, I think, was played really well, um, and I definitely took notes of is. She smiled constantly, mm-hmm. even in the face of disgust, disgust and disrespect. She still smiled her way through it. She was very pleasant. She spoke to the people in the camera directly. She looked at him like, if you don't let me finish what I got to say, you know what I'm saying? And I like that because I feel like as women, we are oftentimes shushed and um, told that, you know, if we speak up, I know Beyonce's, I, we talked about this in another episode, but in Beyonce's documentary, that she don't remember she was saying as a woman, it's like, you are always told, like, you're a bitch if you speak up for yourself. Yeah. And, that's not, and if a man speak up to him, speak up for himself, he's a boss and he's strong and, you know, and gone are those days. Yeah. So as women vote, because it's very important that we do so, especially with what's going on, you know, in the Supreme Court, you need to vote. Um, secondly, no matter where you are, um, as just as a woman, period, speak up for what you believe is right. Truly right. If it was your children in that position, speak up for what is right. Let go of the, the white privilege 
and speak up. And if you are not with the white privilege, speak up to your family, speak up to your friends and, you know, vote. I totally agree. Like, you know, being biracial, but I consider I am a black woman. I would say I've heard many times um, from people who are not black where they just kind of ignore it. And you made a great point. Speak up. Like if you are not about it, if you are silent about it, then you are on the side of the oppressor. Like you have to make your voice heard. If you hear racial slurs or comments or things that are, you know, bad on your Facebook, you have to say something about it. Don't, don't allow people to be comfortable saying things like that in front of you. Like if you do, then I'll look at you side eye. And I know social media has made us like hit the delete button, but I'm not, I want to see what you're thinking. I want to see the same people that, you know, supposed to be my neighbors or my friends. I want to know how you think because my kids go to school with your kids or we grocery shop together or we work together. I want to know really, really how you feel about me. And most importantly, how you're teaching your children to respond and to interact with my children. So you know what? Thank God for social media. Well, yeah, because without social media, a lot of things wouldn't even be brought It'll to be our attention. It'll be swept under the rug. Um, so we thank, thank God for that. And um, Kamala Harris, like shout out, woohoo, because she served, slayed, they said mopped yes, the floor and wiped it up. I, it just made me feel so proud just to be a woman. She was not playing with she the kids not. at all. Um, and I, there's not much that I can say about the fly. Other oh, than just look at all the I've never seen that happen your... before, but I'm like, go figure. I couldn't. I literally, I text you. I was like, can you believe this? I was like, wait on the memes. And literally within like minutes, they had so many memes. Oh, when yeah. I woke up this morning, they were flooded with memes. And um, I mean, we make light of the situation, but at the end, we just want to say, vote make your voice count by voting don't get distracted by and we'll talk about more the politics yeah the politics and your vote not counting get out there and vote absolutely so now on to miss claudine miles she is a woman who is out here trailblazing um in her industry and making her voice heard in the school system Um, Claudine Miles launched a consulting firm called Restore More, which helps organizations build capacity with restorative practices, self-awareness, and social-emotional health. The central mission is to continue sharing wellness strategies nationwide to uplift communities of color. Claudine served as the vice chair for Zest Preparatory Academy School Board, And she continues to create so many different innovative uh, programs for school systems to make sure that your child, when he or she goes to school, they feel heard, they feel appreciated, and they feel um, supported. And she also teaches parents on how to support their child from home so that when they go to school, you know, the detention rate is lower, the ISS and and OSS rates are lower. So she is definitely changing the trajectory of the school system. And we're so excited to have her on the show. So without further ado, let's get on that. All right, everybody. Welcome, Claudine, to the show. Welcome, Claudine. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you on. Um, okay, so much to unpack. So first, we want to know a little bit more about your beginning. So I 
actually had no idea that I would become an educator. Uh, if you were to ask me as a, as a young child, like what field would I get into? It was probably gonna be something around um, medicine or law, uh, because I like to help people and I love to argue, uh, especially from like a debate perspective. However, in college, I was getting ready to graduate in around 2008 and we were experiencing a major recession. And at that time I was substitute teaching, um, as like a side hustle in college to gain income. I absolutely loved working with the kids and coincidentally Teach for America was recruiting on my campus at Hampton University. And so I went to a dinner, got an opportunity to meet some folks who were in the classroom and doing incredibly amazing work, um, fell in love with the mission and just really quickly pivoted myself um, as an English major who initially thought I'd be, like I said, either writing or pursuing something in law or medicine, pivoted to education and decided that I was going to start uh, my adult career path um, as a teacher. And I started as a sixth grade science teacher and quickly worked my way up to grade level chair and then the gifted coordinator and eventually the assistant principal of the same school I started at. So within wow. six years, uh, yeah, within six years, I was in a really powerful leadership position and had the privilege to serve a community that I had grown with. So they were near and dear to my heart. That's awesome. So Claudine, working with the school system for so many years, what inspired you to create We Restore More? So Restore More was born out of my last role, my last like formal role in a schoolhouse. So I was the uh, assistant principal, but my title was the Dean of Restorative Practices. And through that, I was able to ascertain some amazing training from the International Institute of Restorative Practices um, and ultimately transitioned the school that I was at from a highly punitive school who often utilized suspensions for behavior issues to a school that actually completely revamped everything and said, we're not going to suspend kids for everything. Rather, we're only going to suspend kids for these five behaviors. And the transformation that I saw in that community, in that school was so impactful, was so powerful that all I could think about was how many more kids needed this? And how many more educators needed training like this? And how many parents could benefit from support um, around workshops like this? And so I left my role as assistant principal in May of 2018. And I went to my best friend, Kim, and I said, I have this idea. Will you trust me enough to flesh it out? Because it was very much jumbled. Um, but over the course of the next six months, we met on a weekly basis every week um, to make sure the idea was clear, to test the market, to do some beta research. And in that, we just realized, yes, there are kids that need this. Yes, there are teachers that need this. And yes, there are parents that need it. And so over the last two years, we've been building and growing. And I'm just so proud um, because it started as, like I said, an idea that I thought other people could benefit from this work. And so to have it validated in real world, um, real time situations has been really humbling and beautiful. That's so good. That's amazing. What, what did your friend say to you, though? Like, when you came to her and said, like, look, I have this idea. Um, you know, I want you to be a part of this journey with me. Like, what was her response in that moment? It's so funny because she literally just unwaveringly said yes with so little detail. And That's I, a best friend for you. 
That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, it's the relationship. And I find that that's the thing that like propels business forward too. And we underestimate the value of relationships, but she didn't trust me because I said, and I, I had an idea. She trusted me because she had seen how I had executed other ideas. She had seen how my vision of a school that used restorative practices completely transformed the culture of the school that we were at. And so, you know, when you work with somebody for 10 years um, and they see the impact that you can have, they develop a trust for you. And it was that trust that really allowed her to say yes. But I would absolutely say we have been able to grow this thing beyond our wildest dreams because then um, we had a completely different business model, a revenue structure. We thought that was going to be it. And in two years, you learned so much. And so we pivoted again and again to best meet like people where they are. But again, she trusted me. And that is why she said yes. I love That's that. That's an amazing friend. I love that. <laughs> I want to um, touch a little bit on what you said about pivoting. I know we have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs that listen to our podcast and um, I think pivoting is such a strategic point in a, a business where you have to realize, okay, maybe what I'm doing right now isn't necessarily working or I, I can't see some, you know, substantial growth from what I'm doing. I need to make a pivot. How do you know, two questions, I guess, how do you know when to pivot and how do you know, like, if that pivot is actually going to work? Such a good question. Um, and I feel like it's something that entrepreneurs are grappling with in this season. Um, you know, this COVID pandemic took us by storm in March. And then right on the heels of it, we were dealing with the second pandemic of racial injustice. And so if as a business owner, you haven't set and, and unpacked that question, like, do I need to pivot? Then it's most definitely time to start. And so for us, um, in March, we had this huge event that we were planning with like 350 people, parents, educators, kids. We had uh, press. Um, it was going out on the radio and it was being mentioned in, in different news spots. And we were so excited, but it was in person and we had to cancel it. And we were devastated because it was going to be our annual flagship event. And I literally like had to grieve it and mourn it. As weird as that sounds, like I spent a many- Oh, we get it. Absolutely over all the things that didn't come to fruition. But I couldn't sit in that feeling of like defeat and self-doubt. What we had to do was actually schedule a pivot meeting, even if we didn't understand what that fully meant. So we like put a chunk of like four hours on our calendar. We were like, we're gonna just talk about where we're at in the world and what that means for us as a business. We are an organization that works with schools and other organizations to help them with restorative practices, anti-racism and social emotional learning. And traditionally we had done that by going into schools or offering in-person workshops with parents and by selling curriculum. So we knew like, yes, we can still sell curriculum but we can't go into schools and meet with parents in a traditional way. And we cannot go into schools and meet with teachers in a traditional way. So that really left us looking at the one stream of revenue that was gonna stay consistent. And it was our digital goods. And so for us, we had some things on the back burner for 2020 of like, here are things we want to roll out um, digitally, but we had been putting it off because we had been doing so many in-person events. During that pivot meeting, we quickly decided, oh no, all of these digital goods need to come to market ASAP because one of them was like a flagship product for us. And it was the anti-racism circle kit, which is a set of scripts that help teachers discuss tough topics like police brutality and diversity and being an ally. And so we already knew we wanted to make this, 
But once we saw everything going on with George Floyd and all of the other subsequent laws, we were like, this has to come out ASAP. And even with COVID, we won't be stopped because we can sell it digitally. From there, we decided, okay, how do we still meet our teachers and our parents? And we just realized this is our opportunity to really ramp up our digital presence. And so now we've met the market where they are and we've been able to pivot and offer all of our trainings virtually. So what's been amazing is we haven't been stopped. If anything, um, we've magnified our business performance um, by 50%. Like every one of our metrics, wow, wow. which is huge. Um, and it's, it's mainly because we're able to meet folks where they are. So we know it's working because we're looking at our, our profit and loss sheet. We're looking at our, our monthly statements. We're seeing the increase in revenue. We're seeing our new digital products really take off. And so I think when you need to think about pivoting is when you realize something isn't working or the market has drastically changed. We all need to be considering pivoting um, and not just on a one-time basis, but how do we continue to pivot because we're still not out of the woods. And then you know it's working based on your goals and your metrics. So pre-COVID, we had like six overarching goals that kind of guided our work. We had to completely change those goals. Like one of the goals was like to have five in-person events. Well, that's no longer a reality. So it's right. just the We're going to do five um, online events, right? But really thinking about how can I align my pivot to my goals so that I can then track to see if it's effective. Wow. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yes. We, we often, Shakira and I do something called the bubble and we just kind of lock ourselves in and we look at like, Hey, we have to re-strategize what's working, what's not working. And as entrepreneurs, it's very, very important not to feel like you have to stick to that solid plan. It's okay to kind of step back and say, this is not, this is not working. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So tell us, Claudine, how has the racial injustice, um, change how the school system operate? How has that changed for your, um, with your business that you're doing? That's such a good question. Um, I also love the bubble, like the idea of <laughs> it's so needed. And sometimes we need to like quiet out all the other noise. So just, just wanted to comment on that quickly, but I think this racial pandemic has really, um, allowed schools to grapple with some stuff that they had probably been dancing around, right? We're in a unique time where we're watching black and brown lives be taken senselessly, be murdered with no consequence. And so I think schools, districts, um, and leaders are very much now ready for our content. Whereas maybe before it may have been like, schools were a little nervous to engage with our content. Like we are unapologetically black women leading in this work. We teach anti-racism content. We also teach restorative practice content and social emotional learning content. But people that gravitated to us were schools and leaders that were already doing that work. So like we have one client and one of their values of the school is anti-racism, right? So it makes sense that like she gravitated to us. Whereas now we're starting to get clients from all walks of life, not just schools, but we recently worked with um, Mid-Atlantic Capital Group, which is a very large um, high-profile investment group that spans the nation. And so that would have never been a traditional client for us. However, many of their employees are parents and they needed support on how to better parent in a pandemic. So we customized a session for them on parenting in a pandemic. And we talked a little bit about how to best show up for your child with this virtual world, but then also this racial pandemic. And so 
I think what's been beautiful is that organizations that may traditionally have felt like, oh, we don't need that, or that's not for us, are now very much aware that they do need that, and they are finding us, and that's been such a blessing in this time. I can imagine. So let me ask you this, with everything going on with, obviously, the debate with Trump and Biden, how do you feel about, or how important is it, like, with Elizabeth DeVoe, we all know (laughs) what the education what impact she has on our children. Tell us how your program and how important it is for us to go out and vote so that way we can get money for a program like yours into our school systems. I think we have to realize that voting is equally important as breath. And that might seem like hyperbolic, like really dramatic, but I love a little drama and flair. Like, y'all, in this season, if we don't vote, we are complicit in racist behavior. And, and that's just, it's just that simple. We can no longer deny the blatant racism that is being spoken from the highest office in the land. And if we don't get out and get out and get ready to vote like we've never voted before, things will only worsen. I remember jokingly in like <clears throat> March saying like, oh, it can't get any worse and saying it again in April and in May. And oh, it, keeps, yeah. it actually does keep getting worse. And I think what's really concerning is particularly in in Black communities and communities of color, there was an article released recently stating that the administration that is currently in office had actually run targeted ads to try to diminish the Black vote. So essentially, they were running ads that were discouraging Black people to vote. If I'm Black and I'm on Facebook or Instagram, I'm going to see these ads often about how my vote doesn't matter, how um, this propaganda could lead me away from the polls, how the lines are going to be extra long. I don't care how long the lines are, y'all. I don't care what mess you see coming across your timeline. We've got to stop relying on other people for information. We've got to do our research. We need to be filling out voter guides. Like, I'm not playing any games when I go to the polls this time. I don't want there to be a single candidate for office that I don't know about. And that's happened. Absolutely. Where I've gone to vote and I'm like, who the heck is this? And then I'm like, I guess I'm a whole Democrat. And I don't want Right, right. You're absolutely right. So I have a date on my calendar in the next week where I'm literally just going to, like, go through and research who is on the ballot in my area, who aligns themselves with policies that I believe in. And how do I go to the polls informed? We can no longer just go to the polls and and tap D or tap R. Like these people are making decisions that affect our literal lives. And we have uh, administration right now that is literally trying to abolish any anti-racist work. And that is so concerning. They are waging a war against accurate historical information. And you will see that they've even taken a step to say, we wanna cut federal funding to schools who support and teach anti-racism content. So it's, it's, it is so far reaching how the government has crept into our lives at this point. They are determining where we go, what's open, if we wear face masks, if more people die, if less people die, what our kids learn. Like it is so overreaching the way the government has crept into our lives over these last four years. And I, though I hear the argument of like, Biden may not be the best candidate, we have to be smart enough to know that he is much better than our current situation. And I try to uh, be very mindful about what I say in the political space. I love politics. I've been invested in them since I was a kid. I've been voting since the day I turned 18. 
But um, this is not a season where we can just idly sit by. We've got to encourage people to vote. We've got to encourage people to be informed. I'm hearing a lot of buzz around uh, the write-in candidate. And I want people to know like that is all intentional political propaganda. They are suddenly pushing this write-in candidate um, who is a female, but simply because they know if majority of us decide to write in her name, that takes away votes ultimately for Biden, which lessens our chances of getting out the, 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 the administration that we have in place now, which I don't have very many nice things to say about because their decisions don't align with my personal values. I'm never gonna support putting children in cages. I'm never gonna support separating children from their mothers. I'm never gonna support teaching inaccurate information to any child. And I'm never gonna support a lack of integrity. And when I hear things like, this person paid $750 in taxes in the last two years, it's baffling to me because I've paid more and I'm an everyday working citizen um, right. who makes far less than his net worth, but I am paying more. And, and those are problems in our country that fuel so many other systematic societal issues. So voting is like breath in this season and we've got to take it that seriously and become informed citizens. I agree with so many things that yes. you said. I mean, you've touched on so many things. I was going to write them down so I can go back to it. And I'm just like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Because I, what you said about your values, I think a lot of people, I got into a debate just last night and I find myself getting into these debates more and more where I'm going head to head with someone who's saying, oh, well, I made more money than I ever made before, you know, and but I'm just like, but what are your values? Like, okay, you're making money. Okay. So you say, and I won't go down that rabbit hole, but it's like, what are your values? What do you want for your children? What do you want them to see? What do you want the life that they live to look like? And I think when we look at our values as people, we can easily make a decision. And I think another thing that you said that was so important is really being informed. I mean, now when I'm driving by and I see the signs, you know, you always see like uh, the person, this person's running for whatever and, you know, in the yards and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I need to write that name down. I need to see what this person is about. I used to go to the polls and be like, oh, just like you, Democrat, check, Democrat, check, but not really know the values of this person, what they stand for. My focus was just on, you know, the president. And so now I think as a community, um, we really should take the time to be more informed. We are informed about everything. Everybody can tell you what the, who the Kardashians are dating, what's going on in pop culture. You know, Cardi B is getting a divorce. I mean, everybody knows everything, but nobody knows what's going on in politics until something goes extremely left. We lose another life, you know, or something happens with your ch with the, your children in school. And I think we, as a community, just have to do better. We have to stand up and we have to vote. And you said something so profound. It's like, it's like our breath. And it, it really is. We can't get upset when things don't go our way. We have to do something about it. And also, too, to your, um, Claudine's point, you can't be sidetracked, like she said about the write-in. Yeah. I mean, the whole Kanye debacle before, that was used as, to me, like a pawn to kind of get people like, yeah, let me vote for Kanye. But every vote that you do, no matter who you vote for, is a vote to the party that you don't want in office. So don't be sidetracked. There will be distractions and you have to do your research. And this exactly. is so important because programs like what you have, funding can, can be stopped yeah. if you know that will affect our children. So 
You know, I mean, so I'm glad. I think about all the ways government is impacting people. Like there are people literally without work right now due to a pandemic who are waiting on the government to pass some sort of second stimulus option. And, and we can't get that because of the lack of collaboration. And that is all spearheaded by the commander in chief, right? We, we take after the leadership that we have. And I think leadership is so important. And the reason we are where we are is because of a lack of ethical leadership. When the leader is out to benefit one group of people, others will suffer and we are suffering. And I think what people have to understand is if our votes didn't matter, they wouldn't try so hard to make sure we don't get there. I live in a state where voter suppression is real, where the voting machines in black neighborhoods will suddenly malfunction or they don't have enough plugs or they don't have enough staff, but in other affluent neighborhoods, no problem. So we've just got to recognize we have so much power. That is why they are putting in so much work to make sure we don't get there. So we've got to get there. And just to your point real quick, as a parent, I live in a pretty nice neighborhood and a school where a lot of the Atlanta Falcons players' kids go. And I was amazed at the sporting programs and the academic programs the kids don't have to pay for. Now keep in mind, these parents can afford it, but you have these scholarships that come from like Arthur Blank and these different NFL players. I'm like, why don't you put that money into schools, into areas that actually really need it and actually make the parents that can afford to pay for these programs. So for me, it was appalling. Other parents are like, oh, it's free, we, we get this. But guess what? You're not putting that money into a community that really needs these resources. So it's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me. That is the status quo where schools that need less resources tend to get many. And the schools that really struggle, that are underserved, that you know are not meeting data marks, they're getting less and less and less. And we wonder why certain kids, certain neighborhoods are historically struggling. Yes, yes. Wow. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. How can parents and teachers show up more for their kids during a time like this? I think the biggest thing is relationship. I'm going to keep going back to it because when we're in real relationship with the communities we serve, we understand their challenges, we understand their roadblocks, and we meet them in the middle to ease those pain points. And so one beautiful example I saw recently was in a district here in Atlanta where they were going to school four days a week. One day was like a day to um, do independent learning and kind of catch up on the work. Then they had a town hall meeting two weeks into this to check in with the parents and say like, how is this going? And many parents expressed, it's a lot of work. My kids are up late at night trying to do the work. They're on the computer all day long in the class, but then in the evening, they're doing the homework. And the district didn't say, oh, well, that's how it is. The district actually said, okay, we're going to move to three days of live instruction. And two days are now gifted back to you Wednesday and Friday to do the work. And I think the impact of that is the parents feel heard. The teachers feel like they're not overworking to crank out work that nobody can do anyway and the kids feel a huge sigh of relief but that only happens when the relationship is there because i've seen other school districts that are literally on the computer from 7 a.m to 4 p.m with five-year-olds five days a week and that is far too much screen time for an adult absolutely alone a child and i think People are forgetting that we are in a pandemic. 
capitalism is what undergirds this country. And so there is this constant need and desire to work, 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 go, go, go. But I want to push us to remember that we've got to check the social emotional wellness of ourselves as parents and of our children. That is our responsibility. And if my child is not well, we're going to stop, 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 because that is what's best for my child. And then I can communicate with the teacher and figure out what needs to happen after that. But I think as parents, we've got to do some pushing back. There's definitely a charged up, organized, galvanized group of parents who are pushing back saying, get them in school, get them in school, get them in school. And so on the inverse side of that, we need to be just as charged up and say, no, we're not ready to come back to school because it's not safe. This is also too much. Here's what we would like to see. But unless we communicate back to say, hey, this is too much, then they may not recognize it um, as educators because they're just assuming we can do what we normally did in the classroom online. And I think that's the wrong assumption. This is not the same thing. Our parents, kids, and families are going through a catastrophe, quite frankly. And if we don't take that into account and listen to what they need, then we're going to do a larger disservice by oversaturating them with work. And then what happens with that? Kids just do it to get it done. So then there's no meaningful learning happening anyway. So I think that relationship is going to be key between the parents and the schools um, to really get the quality instruction that feels appropriate in this time. And it can't be what we've always done. Yeah, I agree. I just can't, I don't have any um, kids, but even just, you know, when I come over to Mary's and I'm seeing all the kids are on computers and, and I'm just like, I just can't imagine being in high school and you know, like I'm in ninth grade, this is what I've been, you know, as a high schooler, this is what you've been waiting for. And now you're doing all of this work. That was hard when you were going into the classroom at home. Like when we work from home, it's hard to keep up because you're home. So I just can't imagine the stress that these kids, all ages are taking on. And then to think that whether they do great or not, it still counts. You know, so they don't look at it like, okay, well, you know, let's go a little slower or no, if, if things were to go left, they're going to probably try to hold you back. You know, they're going to still move on as if everything is normal. And it's not, it's not normal for the, the child. It's not normal for the parent. I don't know if there's any sensitivity there. I'm not on the phone with the teacher, so I have no idea, but it just seems like it seems like so much. And I think just from an outsider looking in, just to be able to catch up when all of this goes back to some type of normal, just the catch up game is just going to be intense. Absolutely. I mean, she know, I'm a mom of four and it's an emotional roller coaster between myself, the teachers, the counselors, because I'm coming home to see the kids have emotional breakdowns and meltdowns and because they want to do well. They want to do well in school, but it's just an overload of work. And it's just like you said, that communication is key. I did want to ask you with your program, like what can we do to bring your program into more schools that actually really, really need this? Thank you for asking that question. And it's so funny because I think folks sometimes think it's like this complicated process. Uh, but I like to say, you just have to be a bridge. So a bridge connects two things that are often disjointed and brings them together. And so you just have to stand in the gap and be the bridge, make the introduction. Um, one of our longest running clients is Kindesi West, which is a middle school um, 
excuse me, it's a K through eight school here in Atlanta. And the way we got connected to that school was a friend of ours saw what we were doing and just took it upon herself to say to her principal, like, hey, you really need these ladies in here. They're phenomenal. Um, and the principal was like, can you send an email connecting us both? And from there, it's been a two-year partnership where we've worked with the school, you know, over 20 times. We love them dearly. And then the relationship is reciprocal. So if you are a teacher, I always like to empower my educators and remind them that like you are on the front lines, you know what is most effective and you have more agency and voice than you probably even realize. So just by uplifting our names and saying, hey, have you heard about Restore More? They're a consultancy firm that specifically works on restorative practices, anti-racism and social emotional learning. We could use some of what they have. Can I send you their service guide? Like just doing that um, sometimes is all it really takes. Uh, we're great at building relationships with folks. We're also great at listening to the nuanced problems that leaders are going through. So once you make that introduction, we'll, we'll listen and show up and build the relationship that is needed to determine if it's a good fit. Um, but most of our partnerships have literally come from relationships. So I told you that that was gonna be a word that I kind of keep harping on um, because it is so key to developing sound business practices. Like how do you treat the people you engage with? That's awesome. So tell us, Claudine, what can we expect to see in the future with Restore More? So some really exciting things. Um, we have been able to partner over the last six months with so many new brands and so many new businesses. Um, so that has been just really exciting. So we're looking uh, to release some of those names. Some of them are larger organizations that we have to go through some like really technical uh, legal work with and we're doing that now to make sure we can share. Um, but that's super exciting. We also, like I said, in March, we're planning a huge event called Raising the Whole Child. And the whole premise was to be able to give parents tips on how to best support their kids, right? In all these different areas of social emotional wellness. And so even though I cried in many a tears when I realized oh. it was gonna be the event I envisioned, I had to pivot. And what a better time to help parents out right now. Like, is there no better time to help a parent out right now? So we're gonna be bringing that content in December. Uh, my team and I are gearing up. We're thinking through how to bring this um, into the space in a virtual way. So we'll be using Hopin and it'll be like a virtual parent conference. We're also going to have like a huge cash giveaway in that because we want to support our parents. Uh, like I said, we got many people still waiting on a stimulus check. And so in the meantime, we're going to use some of the, the funds that we've been blessed to to receive in this season to pour back into parents. So there will be um, some really huge gift card giveaways, like upwards of $100 that we'll just raffle off for folks who attend and pay the duration. And it'll be like a nine to 12 event on a Saturday. So I will definitely keep y'all posted on that Please one. Please do. We want to come. Parents that will just so appreciate that. Um, and then, you know, just working with our newest partners to support them in this year. That is our main focus. We have a new t-shirt that we're selling um, that says like, it's, um, it's not a moment, it's a movement, because we recognize that this anti-racism work is not going to be done in a snap of a finger. It's going to take some time, it's going to take some organizing, uh, but giving folks some messaging to help them stay encouraged. We have our anti-racist circle kit that is out and circulating now, but our main focus right now is really showing up and taking care of the educators and parents um, that we are partnered with to serve because they need it. That's amazing. That's amazing. We thank you so much because what you're doing in the community 
from a mom is just, it's, it's amazing. And we need more services like yours out there. But just like you said, Claudine, word of mouth, get into your schools, talk to your teachers, talk to the counselors, and let them know that this is a service that is offered that will actually help not only the student, but the parent as well, and the frontline educators. So um, kudos to you and thank you. Tell us how we can, our listeners can get in contact with you and learn more about We Restore More. Absolutely. Um, We are on social media and across all platforms. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're at We Restore More. So if you type that into your search field, you will find us. Uh, our logo is like two hands and there are stars sprouting up from it. And so um, that's how they can find us on social media. As always, I love to share my email. Like I'm a real person. <laughs> um, I definitely talk back. So email me, whether it's a problem at the school level, as a parent, um, or as a community person who just like wants to help organize and then gain some traction. And I can be reached at cmiles at restoremore.com. Um, and we have a newsletter that goes out every two weeks. So we're trying to constantly keep our community um, aware of what's going on. And we do some community organizing as well. So we will often send out quick action steps that folks can do to kind of put their government and local officials on board or on notice about things we're working on. So we would love for you to be a part of our growing community and um, you can join our newsletter through Instagram. It's pretty simple um, if you click the link in our bio. So I would love to get to know you all in that space. Um, And thank you guys so much for having myself um, and and our business in this space to uplift what we are doing because I think word of mouth is so important. Um, I did want to share one quick thing. So like I mentioned that the administration right now is doing a lot to limit Uh, anti-racist work currently, right? And so we're seeing that in the social media landscape as well. With our anti-racist circle kit, we tried to run an ad on it and it was denied multiple times because of the content, right? So this is an educational tool, but they deemed it as social and political content and they've like banned it. So we can post it, but we can't reach the masses by running targeted ads, which is what many businesses do. So I want people to understand like, We're trying to put out curriculum that makes the world better and teaches people about diversity, celebrating it and equality. And we're literally combating like systematic racism in the moment. And so I think it's just important for folks to understand like the word of mouth is everything because the powers that be are gonna try to limit our message, but it is up to us to speak to the things that we feel our schools need. We don't have to wait for someone to bring it to us. It's up to us to say, we need this. And what are you gonna do to get it here? And this is the perfect time because they know they haven't been meeting our needs before and many schools are ready to. So I just wanted to make sure I shared that little tidbit. Thanks so much for sharing that. I, I had no idea that was even happening. And so I think that's so important to let everybody know what, you know, great call to action and uh, yeah it's an amazing call to action word of mouth is you know obviously so important i know a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of businesses and brands you know believe in that but it's it's so important even you know yeah we share everything else on social media let's share what you know what matters and what matters so we appreciate you so much and we look forward to all the bright things that your company is doing 
and the leadership. And we just want to thank you for taking the time to share with our listeners, not only about your business, but how we all can make a change. Yeah. So we appreciate you so much. It's a movement, not a moment. That's right. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. all the feels. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.